Hey everyone, this is Stephen Overbaugh. You're listening to my podcast. Thank you for joining me this evening to listen to the Word of God being taught here. I'm excited for what we're going to get into. I'm expecting great things to come out of this teaching. The Lord has laid some things on my heart to share, and I'm looking forward to how it comes out and what the Lord shows to us and reveals to us. So if you have your Bibles this evening, you can open them to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and start in the first verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Verse 1, Paul is writing, and he said here to the church at Corinth, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Verse 3 says, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. We're going to jump back up to verse 1 for just a moment here. First of all, he said, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. Now I'm reading from a King James translation. And if you have a King James Bible, you'll notice this, that the word gifts there in verse 1 is italicized. And that just means that the translator added the word to the message or to the, the verse to bring clarity, but it was not in the original text. It was not in the original Greek. The word gifts was added there to bring extra extra clarity. But if you study it out and look it up and look in different Greek concordances and dictionaries, and I'm by no means a Greek scholar, but I do have Greek concordances. And if you look it up, you'll find that actually it reads this way. Now concerning spirituals with an S or plural, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. And now that word spirituals there literally means Things of and pertaining to the Holy Ghost. Things of and pertaining to the Holy Ghost. And so that sheds a whole new light on it because a lot of times what people think is that chapter 12 is just talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And yes, that is partially true. It's somewhat true, but that's not the whole truth. That's not true in its entirety. He's talking about, he does talk about gifts here in chapter 12, but that's not all that he's talking about. And that's not all that he intended to talk about. No, he intended to teach on and to talk about things of and pertaining to the Holy Ghost. And so reading verse 1, that's how you read that, because that's what was in the original text. Now, concerning Things of and pertaining to the Holy Ghost, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. Now, I've said it for years, and I'm going to keep on saying it. The number one hindrance to the move of God is ignorance on the part of the believer. It's ignorance. And ignorance can hinder the move of God. Some people think a lot of times that God can do whatever he wants to do. He can move in any way he wants to move. Because he's God, he's sovereign. But that is an error, and that does not line up with Scripture. That doesn't line up with the teachings of the Bible. No, 
God needs his body. The Lord Jesus Christ needs his church, his body, to be operating with him, flowing with him, yielding to his spirit in order for him to do what he wants to do. But if the church is ignorant, if the church is walking in ignorance and in darkness, so to speak, concerning the things of and pertaining to the Holy Ghost, then the Lord is not going to be able to do what he wants to do. He may be able to do some things. He'll bless people as far as he can, but he won't be able to do everything that he wants to do until people walk in the revelation that's found in the Word of God, until they study on these things and are taught these things and grow and learn in these things. Well, what things are we talking about? We're talking about the things of and pertaining to the Holy Ghost. Now, that phrase alone would uh, be surprising to some people. They wouldn't understand what you're talking about. They don't even know what that means necessarily, things of and pertaining to the Holy Ghost. What does that mean? Well, there are many things that pertain to the Holy Ghost found in the Word of God, more specifically in the New Testament. Much was said and taught on by different apostles and men of God and prophets of God concerning the things of and pertaining to the Holy Ghost. It's all, the, it's all here in the Word. And it is the responsibility of every single believer to find out about it. And it's the responsibility of preachers to teach on it and preach on it. And to bring people into an understanding of it. And it's twofold there. Preachers need to preach on it. And believers need to study on it. And look at it for themselves in the word of God. So what are the things that pertain to the Holy Ghost? Well, like we said, it's found in the word of God. It's in the New Testament. And, it's in, and some things are found in the Old Testament. Both old and new. But there are many things that pertain to the Holy Ghost. It's not just gifts, like so many people have thought. Or it's not all that Paul was talking about here in chapter 12. He wasn't just talking about gifts. He was talking about more than just gifts. He was talking about things of and pertaining to the Holy Ghost. Well, there's a variety of things that pertain to the Holy Ghost. There's a variety. And there's wonderful facets of the Holy Ghost that we should understand and look at. Part of that is the manifestation of the Spirit, which Paul goes on to teach about in, uh, starting in verse 7. He says in verse 7, The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man, notice, to profit with all. To profit with all. Well, that just means that when the Spirit of God manifests and moves in the way he wants to move, that it will profit people. It will be to their benefit, is another way we could say it. It will profit them. And notice that uh, Paul said here, it is given to every man for their profit. So the manifestations of the Spirit are given as a gift to profit, to be benefit, and to uh, enhance their spiritual walk with the Lord to be a blessing in their life. And I, it's, that alone will teach. 
it's so important that we understand that because so many times people live with the idea that when the Holy Ghost moves, that it fends people off or that it scares people off. There's been a lot of pastors over the years, in the last 20 years in specific, that have adopted the idea that they can't allow the Holy Ghost to move in their midst, in their churches, because it might scare new people off or it might offend people. Or that because of lack of understanding that they might just go somewhere else and then that their church won't grow as a result. That's what people believe today. That's what pastors have thought today and have have, um, had just a, a belief about. That they just, they've just adopted that position that the move of the Spirit runs people off. And as a result of that belief or their, their ignorance along those lines, they have, they've tied the hands of God and they've hindered the move of God from taking place in their midst. And when they're hindering the move of God, when they hinder the manifestations of the Spirit, in their churches, they keep people from being blessed. Because notice the scripture said here in verse 7 that it is given to every man to their profit or to profit with all. And for people to believe that the manifestations of the Spirit and the move of the Spirit and having Holy Ghost services if they think that that is going to hurt or harm their church or harm their life, then they are basically saying they know more than God does. And that's basically what it amounts to, that they adopt the position or take the position that they know more than God does, and therefore they're not going to have anything to do with it. And they wouldn't say that out loud, but that's, but, but that's basically what they're saying. Well, we don't know more than God does, do we? We don't know more than he does. He knows what needs to take place in a given service. He needs he knows what needs to take place in a person's life. And so many pastors have have rejected the move of the spirit in their churches and it has been to the harm and detriment of their sheepfold. It's been to the harm of their flock. Their, their flock has been harmed. Their church has been harmed as a result of it. I remember uh, preaching in a meeting one time back in 2017, and it was overseas, and I was getting ready. It was a Saturday night, and I was doing a special meeting there along with some other ministers, and we were in a church that didn't believe in the move of the Spirit, didn't believe in the Holy Ghost. It was a denominational church. And... Before I was getting up to minister, uh, one person came up to me and they had known my ministry. They knew what I, my, what my ministry was all about. And this particular minister that spoke to me said, you can't talk about the Holy Ghost in this church. You can't talk about the Holy Ghost in this service tonight because these people don't believe in that. And they don't, um, they don't want that here. And if you do that, we're going to have a hard time ministering to them. Well, you know, that really grieved my spirit. It really grieved my heart. And, you know, if it grieved my heart, how what does it do to the Lord? It grieves his heart, too. 
it grieves his heart every time people take the position that we shouldn't allow the Holy Ghost to move or we shouldn't talk about the Holy Ghost. That's the the third member of the Godhead, the, the divine spirit of God who wants to move in his body, in his church. And, you know, that really grieved me when she said that to me. It really, really bothered me. Out of respect for the church, I did not uh, go past that boundary. I did not overstep that what they had said to me because there's something that ministers obviously have to understand is that the pastor there is the is in charge of that church. He's the head of that church. And what he wants and what he says will go in that place because, you know, he's been he's been placed as an overseer of that house. He can't come in and just disrespect the pastor. So I was very grieved by it, but I wasn't going to overstep what they said. But I did go to the Lord and I said, Lord, even though I they don't want me to talk about this, I still am going to yield to your spirit. And I know that whatever takes place tonight, the wonderful things that are going to take place tonight are going to take place as a result of your Holy Spirit. And so I honored him in my own personal life right there. I honored him privately right there and went out, ministered that night, and the move of the Spirit took place because, see, the Holy Ghost isn't trying to stay away from houses. He's not trying to stay away from churches, but he is trying to manifest in different places, even places that don't want him. He'll bless them. Notice, he'll bless them as far as he can, and like we said earlier, he's he's trying to bless them as far as he can. He'll do all that he can for them, even if they don't want him or even if they don't necessarily understand everything about him he'll still do all that he can for them and that's exactly what happened that night wonderful things took place wonderful manifestations of the spirit took place healings and deliverances um, manifested because of the work of the holy ghost but you know it really stood out to me and it happens more often than you think that so many churches are have closed their doors to the manifestations of the Spirit. And as a result, the body of Christ has been harmed. And churches and leaders in the church and pastors in the church have, have done their church harm. Have done their church harm because they don't want to run people off. They think that they have to, to have a tight grip on these things or they they can't allow these things at all maybe some places allow some things but they don't want it to get too carried away or get out of hand i noticed that when the word of god teaches in these subjects and you go back and look at chapter 12 chapter 13 and chapter 14 of first corinthians you'll find that these things are when being directed by the holy ghost they're done in decency and in order they are in order so there is no out of order. There is nothing getting out of hand when you're following what the Holy Ghost wants to do. He doesn't do anything out of order. He doesn't do anything that's going to um, be outside of excellence or honor. But he always does things the way they should be done. Can you say amen? 
And so things of and pertaining to the Holy Ghost, the manifestation of the Spirit is one thing that pertains to the Holy Ghost. And it's a big, it's it like I said, it was taught on in chapter 12 and taught on in chapter 14 and somewhat in 13. And it is, but it's only part of what was being talked about here. Things of and pertaining to the Holy Ghost. There are other things that pertain to the Holy Ghost. Things like joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy is not only a fruit of the human spirit. It is also a move of the Holy Spirit. So in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Spirit being the Spirit which is in man, born again. The born again Spirit of man. There's fruit that grows off of every single believer who is born again because they are now children of God. They produce fruit in their life as a result of being born again. Remember Jesus said in John chapter 15, in verses 1, 2, and 3, he talked about how Jesus said, I am the vine, my father is the husbandman, and you are the branches, he said. Every branch in me that beareth beareth fruit, he says, the father purgeth or prunes that it may bear more fruit or bring forth more fruit. And so where does fruit grow? Well, it grows on the vine, or it grows on the branches, excuse me, grows on the branches. Where does fruit grow? It grows on the branches. It doesn't grow on the vine. No, the vine is the life source, the life source, and the the fruit grows off of the branches. And the scripture teaches, Jesus taught in John 15, that the Father, Father God, our Father God, is the husbandman. He prunes, he purges, the King James says there, or cleans us, so that we can bear more fruit. Glory be to God. In verse 3, Jesus said, Now are you clean or pruned through the word which I have spoken unto you. And so the way that God prunes us, the way that God cleans us, the way that God purges us is through his word. He doesn't put the curse on us to, to prune us. He doesn't force us to go through hard situations or storms of the storms of life to prune us. He's not the author of those things. He's not the author of storms. He's not the author of temptation. He's not the author of the curse. No, he prunes us or cleans us through the word. And I remember one minister that I was listening to one time teach that, that, that the things that we were facing, the hardships that we went, that we go through in life, the challenges that come our way, those are the result of the Lord pruning us. The Lord is pruning us through that. And as I was listening to him, right down on the inside, the Holy Ghost said, that's not what my word says. You see, that's so important. It's so important. Rather than just saying what we think uh, is true and accurate or truth, no, we ought to be saying what the word says. Not just preaching our own pet doctrines or preaching what we think is right what we've figured out, our, what our experience has taught us. But no, we should always be teaching the Word. And if the experiences that we've had line up with the Word, then you can teach that or preach that. But just to give your own experience or what you think is right, and like I said, 
A lot of preachers have pet doctrines that they're on, and they're not the doctrine of the Word of God, and they're not of the Holy Ghost. And pet doctrines from man, teachings or preachings that are from man, they're of the flesh, and they don't profit, and they're not uh, going to bless people like they should. But no, we need to be teaching the Word, preach the Word, Bring the word, sow the word into people's lives. And that's when there's there'll be fruit. But anyways, Jesus is the vine. Father God is the husbandman. And we're the branches. And, and fruit grows off the branches. And so in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, talks about the fruit of the spirit. He's talking about the fruit of your human spirit. Actually, the word spirit, there, there's only one word in the Greek for spirit in the New Testament, and it's pneuma. And the word pneuma, that's the only word that is used in the Greek. And so translators would have had to determine what was being said based on context, whether or not it was the spirit of man or the Holy Spirit. And so in this particular instance in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, they said it was the Holy Spirit, but capital S. But actually, a more correct translation is human spirit, lowercase s, because the fruit grows off of the branch, and the fruit grows off of the human spirit of man, if you're born again, if you're in Christ. And so he goes on to say in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy, is peace, long-suffering, faithfulness, or faith if you're looking at the King James Bible, gentleness, meekness, temperance. And so he lists all these things in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22-23, and he's talking about fruit that grows off the human spirit. Well, love is a fruit of the spirit. Joy is a fruit of the spirit. And those things grow off of us. Those things are imparted to us when we're born again. But not only is joy a fruit of our human spirit, but it's also a move of the spirit. If you look at Romans chapter 14 and look at the 17th verse, you find it says, Romans 14, 17, The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means it's not carnal. It's not fleshly. The kingdom isn't carnal and it's not fleshly. But what does it say the kingdom of God is? It's righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. It's joy in the Holy Ghost. Well, now there's been a lot of good teaching in the body of Christ and by ministers on the subject of righteousness. Our right standing with God that we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ, according to Romans chapter 5. And we've had a lot of good teaching on the subject of peace, that he is our peace, that we have peace in him, that, that in his presence is found peace. And we've had a lot of good teaching on the subject of peace. There's been much teaching on the subject of peace. But there hasn't been as much teaching on the subject of the joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm not talking about joy, the fruit of your spirit. 
I'm not talking about joy that was talked about in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. I'm not even talking about joy that was talked about in James chapter 1, which says uh, the apostle James said, count it all joy when you fall into various trials and temptations. That is there, and that is right, but that's not the joy that I'm talking about. There hasn't been as much teaching on the subject of joy found in Romans chapter 14 and verse 17. You'll notice that Paul writing there said the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and notice joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Notice the phrase in the Holy Ghost. When he says in the Holy Ghost, he's talking about a move of the Spirit. You'll notice if you read your Bible, study it out. Look throughout the New Testament. You'll find there's never been used the phrase love in the Holy Ghost. Never been used. There, is, there isn't a verse in the Bible that says love in the Holy Ghost. Romans chapter 5 verse 5 says the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. But it doesn't say love in the Holy Ghost. Why? Because love isn't a move of the Spirit. Love is a fruit of your human spirit, and it's been poured into your heart by the Holy Ghost. But it's not a move of the Spirit. It's not a manifestation. It is a fruit. You'll never find there uh, in, in the Scripture, you'll never find that meekness, the, the, a phrase or a verse that says meekness in the Spirit, or meekness in the Holy Ghost, or peace in the Holy Ghost. Because why? Because those are not moves of the Spirit. Those are fruits of the Spirit, the human spirit that's been born again. So when we see the phrase in the Holy Ghost found in Romans chapter 14 and verse 17, joy in the Holy Ghost, what is being taught there, what is being said there is that joy is a move of the Spirit. It's a flow of the Holy Ghost. It's not just a fruit of the human spirit, born again, but it is a flow and it's a move of the spirit. And the scripture substantiates this more. You'll find, if you study it out, we don't have time to look at it today, but there is running in the spirit. There is dancing in the spirit. There is shouting in the spirit. There is... There's all these wonderful um, expressions, if you will, characteristics of the flow of joy, characteristics of the flow of the joy that's in the Holy Ghost. Now, why is that? Why does the scripture talk about joy as a move of the spirit? Why does it talk about that? Because in the word, you'll find that joy is a flow and joy needs to be acted upon. Joy needs to, there are characteristics of the joy that's in the Lord that will cause you to act upon them and to express them. And so many times in believers' lives, they'll go through situations and storms, not because of God's plan, but because they're in the world. So many times they'll face things because they're in the world. The Lord didn't bring it on them. The Lord isn't isn't the author of those things like so many people believe. They believe that he's sovereign and whatever happens is because of him, both good and bad. Well, you know, the, the word sovereign 
isn't even found in the King James Bible. The word sovereign was something that was adopted by other translations, and it was misleading to the body of Christ. It was added by some people that translated or added it in other translations of the Bible. And it was only because they had they wanted a word that adopted with their beliefs and what they had figured out according to their experience, what they think the scripture was saying, rather than following what the Bible is actually saying. The word sovereign is never even found in the King James Bible. It's found in other translations, which I call paraphrases. And so God is not sovereignly, sovereignly the author of both good and bad. He does good. The scripture said in James chapter 1 that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, notice, neither shadow of turning. So there is no variableness in the character of God. There is no change or back and forth behavior in the plan of God or in the character of God. Variableness or shadow of turning. Variable, you understand that word. That's a King James word, but it means he's he's not going back and forth. He's not up and down. He's not changing from day to day in his character or in what he does or what he says. No, he's always the same. There is no variableness, neither shadow of turning, but he's light always. He's not light one day and then dark the next. No, he is light always. And every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes from him. And so bad things don't come from God. They come as a result of living in this world. Being in proximity. This is, this is where we live. And in the world, you'll have tribulation, Jesus said in John 16.33. That in the world you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer, Jesus goes on to say. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. And so, even though we face trials, tests, and storms because we're in the world, tribulation, like Jesus said, because we're in the world, he gives us a way out. He said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Well, that means that we've overcome the world, doesn't it? If Jesus overcame the world, then we overcome the world because he did it for us. And so we face things because of proximity, where we're at. And getting back on my subject here, people face things from times to time, times to time, time to time. They face things because of where they're at. But the flow of joy in, and the, the move of joy is so important in the life of every single believer. Because what joy in the Holy Ghost will do for them is it will bring them out and carry them out of every single test and storm in life with great victory. There is a flow to enter into. There's a flow of joy that believers can jump into, if they will, that will cause them to live above every single test and storm in life. Glory be to God. And God saw to it that joy was emphasized in his word. Not only in our not only being a fruit of our spirit, but also being a flow of the spirit of the Holy Ghost. 
a flow of the Holy Ghost. Let me give you an example of this. Turn over in your Bibles to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 20. And look at the 22nd verse, John chapter 20, verse 22. And he said, or when he had said this, he breathed on them, he being Jesus, and said unto them, receive the Holy Ghost. Notice, receive the Holy Ghost. Now, a lot of times people think that that's when, believe, when the disciples received the Holy Ghost um, in his fullness. But no, that's not where it happened. They received the Holy Ghost. What Jesus was talking about there was being born again. Because when, we re- when we're born again, we receive Jesus into our heart in the person of the Holy Ghost. And so when he says, receive you the Holy Ghost, he changed their nature right there. He breathed on them and their nature was changed. Their heart was changed. They were born again. Now I want you to notice what was what took place as a result of them being born again. Hold, and you can go over to Luke, Luke's gospel, the 24th chapter. And let's look at this. So keep that in mind. He said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now look at Luke chapter 24. Look at the 49th verse. He said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And when, and it says in verse 50, And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands, and he blessed them. In verse 51 he said, And it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried into the heavens, or into heaven. In verse 52, this is what we want to get to. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem, notice, with great joy. With great joy. Well, where did that joy come from? Where did that joy come from? They didn't have it before this time. They didn't have it when they were in the that one room, grieving and sad because they thought they had lost Jesus. They were grieved and they were sad. Peter had denied Christ and he was ashamed and he was he thought that his life was over. Other disciples, they were sad. They were afraid. They were scared. The, the women that went to tend Jesus' body on Sunday morning, they went and they brought um, different chemicals and different frankincense and different um, fragrances to tend to the body it says that the women they were they were sad they were grieving and they were they were going to to see the body of Jesus see they didn't have joy back then did they so where did this joy come from they were all sad before this they were they weren't walking in this joy but where did it come from well we found out in John chapter 20 and verse 22 when Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, that their nature was changed. And in Galatians 5.22, it reveals to us that the fruit of your human spirit is joy. When they got born again, they received joy in them. Joy in them. And notice in verse 52 of Luke 24, he said, They went to Jerusalem. They returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They didn't have great joy before this. But after they were born again, they received great 
joy in them. But I want you to notice that even though they had great joy in them, because they were born again, they didn't have joy in its fullness. Now look over at Acts chapter 1 and look at, or I'm sorry, Acts chapter 2. And let's look at the first verse. And it says, and that when the day of Pentecost was fully come. So now this is after Jesus has ascended into heaven. The disciples are born again. They're in the upper room waiting, tarrying, as the King James says, for the promise upon them. The promise from my father, Jesus said, upon you. They're waiting for this. And it said in verse 1 of chapter 2, Acts, um, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. They were all filled, verse 4, with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now jump over to chap or jump over to verse 13 of this. I want you to notice what was said about these men and, and the people that were in the upper room after they got filled with the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 2, verse 13, people said concerning these disciples that they were full of new wine. Now jump down to verse 14. It says, Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be it known, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. Verse 15, for these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. Now I want to point out this to you. Notice that people around them, the all the men of the city, looked at the disciples and they said they're full of new wine. And Peter said in verse 15, these are not drunken as you suppose. He did not say they weren't drunk, but he said they're not drunken as you suppose. Or in other words, they're not drunk in the way that you think they're drunk. Now, oftentimes believers and even preachers have taught and thought that what these the men of the city and the people in the city saw was these disciples just speaking with tongues, just praying in a heavenly prayer language. And that's what they saw, and that's all they saw. And, you know, I don't think, I've never thought that somebody was drunk just because they were speaking in a foreign language. Have you? Have you ever heard somebody speak in a foreign language and you thought, oh, they're just full of new wine or they're full, they're drunk because they're speaking in another language? No, 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 you don't think someone's drunk just because they're speaking in a language that's foreign to you. No, there must have been something else going on that indicated to the city of Jerusalem that they were full of new wine. Now, I was in a wedding one time. It was a family member's wedding in back in 2016, May 2016. And it was on a Friday, Saturday night. And at this particular wedding I was at, there was some people who had snuck some alcohol into the reception area. And they had snuck it in. Uh, against the wishes of the groom and bride, but they snuck it in and began to drink. And during the reception, I noticed that 
the people that have been drinking, they begin to act differently on during the reception. Before the reception, just during the wedding, they were very calm, very controlled, very respectful. But after they the reception had started and they started drinking, I noticed they started to act differently. They started to dance around. They started to laugh. They started to get wild. They started to do some crazy things and they didn't even care what they looked like. They were just having a high old time, a good old time because they had be, they had come under the influence of something else. Now that would be an indication that they were drunk. And so in the scripture, Acts chapter two, in verse 13, when they said, these men are full of new wine, they obviously must've been doing something that gave the impression that they're drunk. Well, that new wine and what Peter said, these are not drunken as you suppose, has to do with the flow of joy. Because we're not supposed to be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is in the spirit, or wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit. Be filled with the spirit. Be not drunk, notice, with wine. Didn't say you couldn't be drunk, but be drunk with the spirit. In other words, come under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Be full of the Holy Ghost. And when you're full of the Holy Ghost, when you enter into the flow of the Spirit of God, into that flow of joy, you're going to come under that influence and you're going to act differently in the, face, in the face of storms and adversity. You're going to respond differently in the face of adversity. Glory be to God. And that's why the flow of joy is, is so important. It's so important that we enter into the flow of joy. You know, the scripture said that in his presence, in God's presence, is fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures, at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Well, in his presence is fullness of joy. If you've left joy, then you're not in his presence. Then you've left his presence. If you're not in his joy, if you're not in the flow of joy, if you're not in the, um, the rivers of joy, and letting those rivers and those waters carry you, then you're not in his presence. You've departed from his presence. Because where God is and where the solution is for your life is in joy, is found in peace and in joy. And then you notice that Paul talked about that. He, talk, he taught that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not these carnal things. It's not carnal. It's not fleshly. But it's righteousness and it's peace and it's joy. See, there's, there's righteousness, but there's peace and joy in, in the Holy Ghost. There's joy in the Holy Ghost. And so entering into the flow of joy is entering into his presence. And where you, when you enter into that place, that's where you find victory. That's where you find a different perspective. That's where you tap into the deeper things of God. And you go so deep that nothing can harm you, touch you, hurt you. Uh, nothing can defeat you. And so this is not taught on very much. It's not even in Pentecostal circles or Word of Faith churches. But there is a joy in the Holy Ghost. And when you are operating in that joy, when you're flowing with that joy, there's going to be characteristics of that joy 
you're going to do some things in the realm of the natural that express that joy. And it's just like they said in the day of Pentecost, that these men are full of new mind. Well, they must have been dancing. They must have been laughing. They must have been shouting. They must have been doing things to indicate that they had come under that influence. And these are all things that are of and pertaining to the Holy Ghost. Not just gifts, although that is important, but there's also other things. There's joy in the Holy Ghost. There's praying in the Spirit. That is something that pertains to the Holy Ghost. And and praying by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, like Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 talks about. There are so many different things. We've kind of focused on the flow of joy tonight, the joy in the Holy Ghost. But here's the thing. You have to make a decision that to be joyful. You have to make a decision to yield to the Spirit of God because He's always there prompting and leading you into joy. He's not leading you into depression. He's not leading you into condemnation. He's not going to lead you into any other flow other than the flow of joy. And so it's important that when we're living our lives, when we're facing situations, that we always stop and ask ourselves the question, is there joy in this? Whatever it may be, ask yourself the question, is is the flow of joy in this situation? If it's not, then that's not where God is. And I'm going to get out of this flow and get into the flow of joy. Because there's a lot of flows that we could enter into. We could enter into the flow of depression. We could enter into the flow of fear. We could enter, enter into the flow of doubt or confusion. We could enter into the flow of strife and division. See, there's all these other flows. And see, the enemy would want to take you out of the flow of God into the flow of his plan, because the enemy has plans. But it's so important that you not enter into those flows because those flows lead you down into deep, darker things. And if you give place to those things, they'll get worse and worse. If you give place to those dark things of the enemy, they'll get worse and worse. If you yield to those things, it just gets worse. But no, don't go into those flows. We need to be in the flow of the Holy Ghost, which is the flow of joy. And so it's so important that we ask ourselves the question in every single situation, is this situation, does it have the joy of the Lord? Does it have the joy that's in the Holy Ghost? Is this situation, does it have the flow of joy in it? Because if it doesn't, then I'm going to get out of that and get into joy. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Well, Lord... Well, I trust that this was a blessing to you, and I trust that this brings answers. This is of the Lord. This was what he desired for tonight. And, you know, even when we're serving the kingdom of God, guys, we must do it in joy. Because if we're not in joy, we're doing it wrong. We're not in his presence. If we're going to be, if we're going to be in joy and in, in the presence of God, then that's when the greatest fruit is going to take place. But if we're just trudging along and pushing ourselves and it's it's a burden and it's weighty on us, then we're not taking up what he said to take up. We're not taking up his joy. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. In his plan, it's not heavy, but it's light. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. And so be blessed by the word that's come forth tonight. Amen. Guys, you can follow the ministry on Facebook and YouTube. 
You can follow the ministry now on Rumble. For those of you who know what that is, that's a new platform that we just entered onto. You can also watch the ministry on Roku TV. When we got on that, we're working on that more and more. Uh, you can get on the website, stephenoverbot.com, and you can follow the ministry and get updates on what's happening. We're going to different places this year. God has been so good. And so thank you for joining me today. Thank you for being a partner with the ministry. Thank you for receiving the word. And remember, always stay in the flow of joy because that is the flow of blessing and victory in your life.